the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. God's Word speaks specifically and directly to another group of people who need to understand about work in terms of how they're to handle those who work for them. And that is the Christian employer. It has been said, and it is very true, that a good supervisor is one who can stamp on your toes without hurting you. But you know he's been there. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff. He's the senior pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel, located in Clearwater, Florida. Today, Pastor Steve will be sharing some biblical principles by which employers should govern themselves and the way they treat people that work under their supervision. Our study today will show that all great leaders lead with respect for their followers and are sensitive to their needs. Here is Pastor Steve to begin our class. In Matthew chapter 20, fascinating story, the Lord worked with the Motley crew. The Lord had what one Bible teacher calls a defective dozen to disciple. They, they really were always saying the wrong things, always, always getting in the way of the Lord in terms of spiritual progress and what he was trying to teach them. They were, they were proud, they were ignorant, they were self-centered. And one day their pride really came forth and was really obvious. In Matthew chapter 20, it says in verse 20, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, came to him with her sons. You know, here, typical Jewish mother brings her boys, and bowing down, she makes a request of him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said, she said this to the Lord, command that in your kingdom, these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on your left. Now, you realize what they're doing. I mean, they're putting mama to do their dirty work, And you could just hear them whispering, you tell him, Mom, he'll listen to you. But Jesus answered and said, you don't know what you're asking for, which is absolutely right. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm able to drink? And they said to him, we are able. And he said to them, my cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left, which is obviously the places of of great honor and prominence, uh, this is not mine to give, but it's for those to whom it has been prepared by my father. And hearing this, and this always amazes me, verse 24, the ten became indignant at the two brothers. Do you know why they were indignant? Because they wanted the places of prominence. They wanted to be on the left and on the right. They weren't indignant because how dare you be so carnal, you two brothers. No, they saw that these fellows were moving in on the territory that they wanted, and Jesus knew what was going on, and so he called them together. In verse 25, it says, Jesus called them to himself 
and he gave them a little lesson about pride, about humility, and he said this, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not so among you. That's not the way we're going to do it, fellas. But whoever wishes to make to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. And the example is himself, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now most of the time, when we look at this, we, we only emphasize, and I think we emphasize properly, that the real lesson here is that we are not to be like the Gentiles. We're not to be like the pagans. We're to be a servant. If you want to be great, you've got to be servants of all. But I think it's easy to overlook something by way of, of illustration, and that's how the pagans handle authority. How do people who rule over other people handle it? Jesus gave an excellent uh, demonstration of the way the world sees authority, the way the world sees employers, the way the world sees management. And I'm going to mention it again. He said in verse 25, you know, and this is a general principle, this is how the world handles authority, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, meaning the pagans, lord it over them. They lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. In other words, they love to be in authority. They love to look down on others. They love to have the last word. They love to be the commanders. They love to be the sergeants barking out orders. They love it. Jesus said, that's not the way you're going to handle it. That's not the way believers are going to have that kind of relationship. Now, what a, what a lesson to learn. Those in authority are to serve. We're to meet the needs of others. And throughout Scripture, this is a principle. Uh, pastors, spiritual leaders are told this in 1 Peter 5, don't lord it over the flock, be examples to the flock. Ephesians 5, parents are told to serve their children by bringing them up in the nurture and the discipline of the Lord. But there's another group of Christians who need to learn this lesson, and that is the Christian employer. Now, for the last few weeks, we have been studying the biblical view of work. We have seen why we're to work. We're to, we have looked into a little bit how we're to work. Then last week, we saw the uh, problems of a materialist from James chapter 5. If you are a materialist, you have big problems. If you are envious of those who are materialistic and have more things than, than you do, you can go back to James chapter 5 and see the principles there. But in Ephesians chapter 6, and you need to turn there, Ephesians chapter 6, God's word speaks specifically and directly to another group of people who need to understand about work in terms of how they're to handle those who work for them. And that is the Christian employer. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 9, only one verse says this, And masters, do the same things to them, that is, to the slaves, of course, and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Now, what's the context? The context is this. You have to go back to Ephesians 5.18, and Paul says, don't get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, let the Spirit of God control you. But the reasonable question is, how do I know when the Spirit of God is in control? 
Well, he goes on to say some of the evidences of, of being controlled by the Spirit of God. Verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, when you are controlled by the Spirit of God, you want to sing unto the Lord, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. It's just very natural. Uh, you don't find backslidden Christians singing unto the Lord. The song stops. Then he says in verse 20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. When you are controlled by the Spirit of God, you normally are very thankful. A grateful heart is, an, is a demonstration, evidence of being controlled by the Spirit of God. But then he says in verse 21, and this is what we want to look at, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. One of the great evidences of being controlled by the Spirit of God is no longer do we want to rule over people and dominate people, but we want to serve them. We want to submit to them. And then Paul gives the illustration of the family. Now, Ephesians is about the church. It is not primarily about the family. It is a message about the church. It speaks of the origin of the church. It speaks of, of the leadership of the church. It speaks of the behavior of the church. Then why does he deal with the family? For this very reason. The, if you cannot submit to those closest to you in the family relationship, then you will not submit to those in the church family relationship. In other words, if you really want to know about the spirit-controlled life, then look to those who are closest to you. See, it is one thing to come to church on, on Sunday and greet people with a smile on your face, it is another thing to have five hours of sleep one night and wake up and be nice to your family. That's where the rubber meets the road, and that is the greatest demonstration of being controlled by the Spirit of God. And so Paul takes that closest unit in society, the family, and he begins to break it down in terms of, of each person has a responsibility to submit to one another. And he goes through the family. He says, wives, you are to submit to your husbands by leaning on them. The church leans on Christ, you lean on your husband, let him be the leader. Husbands, you are to submit to your wives, not by relinquishing the role of a leader, but by laying down your life for her, by submitting to her in terms of being a servant, meeting her needs, as Christ is a servant to the church, and he meets the needs of the church. Though he's an authority over the church, he is the kind of authority that, that lays down his life, and that's where... Paul says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So it's a very giving relationship. But he says, children, you are to uh, have this kind of relationship. Children are not exempt from being controlled by the Spirit of God when they're old enough to understand the gospel and trust Christ. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. A child submits to his parents by obedience, and not just obedience, honor your father and mother. And honor means reverence them, show them respect, honor them. But it isn't just the children who are to be submissive, nor is it just the, the, the father and the mother or the husband and wife. The parents are to submit to the children. Once again, not in terms of saying, I'm not the leader, but in terms of being a servant. And he says, fathers and fathers, he's addressing because the father is the head of the home, and it would obviously mean fathers and mothers, but, but parents, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. If you are controlled by the Spirit of God, you will undergird your children. You will make sure that you lay down your life for your children in terms of instructing them and discipline and bringing them up properly. Now, back in Paul's day, there was another member of the household, and that was the slave. Okay? 
That was the slave. And they would be part of the household. So the Apostle Paul begins in verse 5 to speak about slaves. Slaves, you obey your masters. That's how you, you Christian slaves, that's how you submit. You are to obey them. He says in verse 5, Be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever uh, good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And then he finally gets to the last person who says, And you masters, don't forget, you submit to. You're not exempt from this. You are to submit. Okay, now that is, that is the context. Now, at first glance, it doesn't sound right. Masters, submit to your slaves. It really doesn't. It goes against the grain. And that's why, now watch this, that's why those who rule over people need to hear this. Those who are, and we don't have masters and slaves in our society, but we do have employers and employees. We do have managers and those under them. We do have executives and those who listen to them. So whatever title you have, if you have anyone you are over in business, you come under the principle of verse Nine. And we need to listen to this because it goes against our grain. It goes against the grain of society. You would never hear this in a management seminar. You would never hear what the Word of God says. It, it goes against uh, the grain of our society now, and it went against the grain of society back in Paul's day. It was just unheard of. Masters, submit to your slaves. In Paul's day, this was absolutely unheard of. To the Greek and Roman thinking, a master looked at his slave as a thing to use, not a person to be considered. Consideration was out the door. The Greek philosopher Aristotle said, and I quote, for a slave is a living tool, just as a tool is an inanimate slave. Another man who lives in this time period divided agricultural instruments into three classes. He said, first of all, there were slaves and cattle and then vehicles. He felt that slaves were no better than animals who could talk. And that was the basic view of a slave. It was the culturally accepted relationship between a master and a slave in Paul's day. But as the gospel penetrated the Roman Empire, something exciting took place. People began receiving the gospel. And you can get some insight into this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. People began receiving it. Who received the gospel? Well, 1 Corinthians 1.26, Paul says this, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many uh, wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, and the base things of the world, and so forth. Now, in other words, Paul is saying, look around you. Uh, you Corinthians are really proud. You're divisive, you're proud, you're egotistical. But look around you. And you'll see that those in your assembly, for the most part, are common, ordinary people. And I take it from this that most of the people at Corinth in this church were slaves. But there's something interesting here. When Paul says, not many wise, he doesn't say not any wise. And when he says that there are not many mighty, he doesn't mean there are not any mighty. Or not many noble, he doesn't mean there are not any Noble. In other words, while most, most of the people who accepted the gospel in the Roman Empire in the early days of the church were slaves, probably because they were humble enough and saw their need for Christ and didn't have as much pride as the masters, there were still some masters 
who came to know Christ. The gospel was for all. Philemon would be one of those who the Apostle Paul apparently led to the Lord. And, but there were, there were Christian masters. Now, what was to be their relationship with the slaves? That's what Paul is going to deal with in Ephesians 6.9 and also Colossians 4.1. God has a very clear word to say to any man or woman who, who had people work, working under them. Now, what does he have to say? He's speaking of the spirit-filled boss, not just any boss, and not just any Christian boss, but one who is controlled by the Spirit of God. And this is how a spirit-filled boss submits to those who work under him. First of all, he's going to give them the right treatment. Then he's going to refrain from threatening, and then he is going to recognize his accountability, which is really the motives behind it. So let's get right into the text. The right treatment. A spirit-filled boss treats his workers the right way. Well, what is the right way? Look at verse 9. And masters do the same things to them. Well, let's stop there for a moment. Do the same things to them. The question is, what are the same things? What are the same things? Now, the same things refer to the way the employee or the slave was to treat the master or employer. Okay? So that's why you have to sort of see it in its context. The same thing, the same way. All right. In other words, what, what he's saying is it's the application of the, of the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. How are slaves to treat their masters? Let's go back to verse 5 for a moment. First of all, he says, slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. And now, now here's where it begins to apply. With fear and trembling. With fear and trembling. Now, what this means, the principle here, is that employers must show respect for those they work for. It doesn't mean that you, that you cower in the corner when someone comes in the room. Uh, but the words here mean basically that you are to show respect for those who work for you. I think that's crucial. I think that's, that's exciting to know. I think it makes the gospel so different. It makes a Christian employer so different. You may be in charge... But that doesn't give you the right to look down on those who work for you. And we see a lot of that, even in Christian circles, a looking down upon people. In Paul's day, this, as I said, was absolutely unheard of. I mean, this must have just startled them to read this. Even though was, the slave was considered the property of his owner, the owner was to show him respect. Listen, if you're a Christian employer and you don't show respect to those under you, you, you talk down to them, you think they're beneath your dignity, uh, there's an air of superiority about you. Uh, you know what it does? It's, it, it really destroys your Christian testimony. It really destroys your Christian testimony. You'll cr come across as a proud, arrogant person rather than a humble servant. And Jesus said, that's not the way we're going to do it, guys. In Matthew 20, he said, the pagans do that. You did that before you were saved. You don't do that now. Or you're acting like a pagan. If you show your people that you aren't better uh, then, then they, or if you think you come across that uh, you think you're better than they are, then they're not going to see you as a servant. In fact, you destroy your testimony. But if you show your people that you aren't better than they are, you don't think you're better than they are, then they're going to see a servant's heart in you. And they'll be interested in finding out what makes you so different. The Christ that you serve, is, is he a servant like you? Absolutely. Did he submit to the Father's authority? Absolutely. 
You know how you could show them respect? Colossians 4.1 gives us some insight. Sort of a parallel passage. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. In other words, treat them properly. In our day and age, what we would say is pay them a fair wage. Respect those who work for you. Take an interest in them. Give them a fair wage. That's the best way you can, you can show them respect. You see, the issue is, are you, are you really interested in, in those who work for you, or are you only interested in getting something out of them? Are you only interested in making a profit, or are you different? And you say, listen, you're really more important to me than business. You're a person. Business is a thing. You're, you're a person who God has made, and I'm interested in you. I'm not interested in money ahead of you. Now, we really saw that last week in James chapter 5. If you were not here, I'd recommend the tape. So the first thing he says is respect them. Show them respect. Don't, don't talk down to them. Don't be patronizing. Don't condescend in your, in your language. Respect them. Back to Ephesians 6. Masters, do the same things to them and give up threatening or, or let's, I'm sorry, let's go back to verse 5. He says, with fear and trembling, and here's another way, do unto others as they would, as you would have them do to you, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. What does it mean in the sincerity of your heart? Remember, the golden rule is here. You treat them as they are to treat you. In the sincerity of your heart. It means wholehearted devotion. That's the basic thought here. In other words, take an interest in them. If you expect them to be single-minded in their interest in your business, then you've got to be interested in them as people. That's, that's the thought. When Paul told the slaves in the sincerity of your heart, he meant, he meant give it all you've got to your master. Really serve that master. And now when he turns it around and says, Master, do the same thing, thing to, to those slaves, what he's saying is be interested in them. Take an interest in their lives. A Christian employer is never to forget that he's dealing with people, and, and quite frankly, people are more important than any business. They really are. They're more important than making a profit. It means a single-minded commitment to your employer. It means take an interest in him. The, the worker is to give himself to his boss's work, and the boss is to take an interest in his worker's life and affairs. Not just the things that pertain to the business, but to really take an interest in this person working for him. And then Paul says, verse 9, not only, or rather verse 5, he says, in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. That's another principle. An employer treats his employee properly when he does it unto the Lord. As to Christ. This means that you see your your proper treatment of your employee as doing the will of God from the heart. You see yourself as standing in Christ's place of authority, which Paul has said that you are. And you see yourself in Christ's place of authority, that you represent Christ to this employee. And you need to see then that your ministry is your job, and your job is your ministry. You realize that that, that is the crucial thing here? It's God's will for you. God has uniquely and sovereignly put you in your job, and he's put you over people. It's not by accident. 
It's God's will for you. You must treat those under you as Christ would treat them. That's the, that's the basic broad principle here. You stand in Christ's place of authority and you are to treat these people as the Lord Jesus would. And that really does a number on us. That really puts a great responsibility on us. You see, they need to see Christ in you, in your speech, in the things you don't say that others would say, in your compassion, in your ethics, in your language, in your morality how you handle your finances, how you treat other people, how you treat those you have business dealings with. They are looking, they are watching. You stand in the place of Jesus Christ and you had better, if you're going to be obedient to the word of God, you had better take that responsibility and do it unto the Lord. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Many leaders are focused on what they can get from their positions of authority rather than on what they can give to the work in which they are involved. Please be reminded that Jesus, in Matthew chapter 20, said that the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Pastor Steve will be completing this series of Biblical View of Work next time by sharing with us how employers can motivate their workers by caring for them. If you would like to hear the entire message, you can order a cassette tape or an audio CD. To get yours, please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we'll return your call during weekday office hours so that you can place your order. Our number again is 727-441-1714. You have been listening to Verse by Verse. It's a daily radio Bible class led by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.